Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Over the the past week, week and a half now, uh, Southwest Airlines had to cancel over 15,000 flights. And I don't know if there's anyone here. I know some people in this church were affected by uh, all of the Southwest Airlines uh, foibles. What happened? It it all started when uh, an Arctic front, you know, rolled across the whole country in the days leading up to Christmas. Uh, And you'd expect, like, when uh, the frigid weather and snow uh, is going to hit, is going to hit a bunch of, a bunch, much of the country, including Southwest hubs like uh, Chicago and Denver. You, there, there was bound to be delays, and there were delays across all the different airlines. But the other airlines bounced back pretty quickly uh, around the time Christmas was rolling around. But Southwest went into complete spiral and meltdown. Like they had to cancel flights for nearly a week or more after the the storm had passed. And the weather was, was bouncing back. And they left, they left hundreds of thousands, some estimates even say a million customers stranded. So I like had to go, I uh, helped a friend rent a car at the Philadelphia airport this past week on Wednesday. And I was bringing him there. And the line for the rental car place was like, it was an hour long wait. Because there were people who, were, who had wanted to get out of Philly on Southwest flights, but they couldn't. So they were trying to rent a car to drive home. Uh, it was a complete fiasco, a complete mess. What happened? Uh, The storm, uh, that Arctic front that hit, it revealed the surface problem, the the problems that were underneath the surface with Southwest Airlines. Uh, What happened was their uh, their back-end, they had back-end technology that sounds like it was straight from the 80s, where uh, if when their employees had to be like, if there was a delay or they had to be rerouted or something, so the crew members, flight attendants, pilots, like if they, they weren't sure where to, to go next, uh, they would have to call in on like a, an operator line internally for Southwest. And uh, what happened was, is there were so many, you know, just because of the like delays and cancellations because of the weather, that back end phone line ended up be, becoming totally jammed up. So there, there are some of their employees who have screenshots of being on hold for like over 12 hours while waiting to just find out where they were supposed to go next. So what happened was, is like they were supposed to be going somewhere else, but they couldn't find out where they were supposed to be going. So then there weren't crew members, and then their flights kept canceling. So it was just like this massive domino effect that led to cancellations for days and days and days. All to say, the storm wasn't the problem. The storm revealed the problem for Southwest Airlines. And in this psalm, uh, we have two contrasting images of a tree and of chaff. And the key difference between the two of them is how they respond differently to the wind. The wind doesn't make them what they are. The wind reveals what they truly are. A well-rooted tree that holds fast or the shavings from wheat on the, that just are driven away. One endures the storm and the other perishes in the storm. And I'm just going to talk about these two contrasting images. I'm going to talk about the, the tree image 
for more time. Um, the tree. The tree is, 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 the, is the, the dominant image, as you can see in verse 3 in this psalm. Uh, this, the psalm begins in verse 1, blessed is the man. Uh, you could say blessed is the woman. It's, it's just a generic application to a human being. Blessed is the man. Uh, this, this psalm, it's an invitation to live a happy, full, satisfied life in God. And obviously when I say happy or happiness, you know, I mean more than just like indulging in pleasures, right? Sometimes I think in our cultural understanding of what happiness is, that's what we think. Like this is not just uh, endless meals of pixie sticks, right? Like it's, it's not that kind of happiness. Uh, and happiness is the way this word has been translated many times across history. It's a blessed life, but not a, it's, not, it's a blessed life. It's, blessed life is not the same as a charmed life. You know, a charmed life is a life where everything comes easy and nothing is hard. A blessed life is not like that. That's not what's being described here. It's a full life. Richness in relationship with God and with others. Honor towards the generations before. Blessing the generations ahead. It's a life worth remembering. An invitation to a life that the Lord knows, that he upholds, and that one day on the judgment will be vindicated. And let's pause for a moment and marvel, marvel at this. The Bible is saying that it is possible to live a blessed life. It's possible for you to live a blessed life. This isn't just for fairy tales. It's not just in fiction. As you come, across a new, come on to a new year, where have you come to doubt that it's even possible for you to live a blessed life, a full, rich life in God? Maybe you, maybe like you, don't, you may think whatever about it being generally possible, but you're like, it's definitely not something that's possible for me. And that's a, like that's a, that, that's a reasonable thing to think. It'd be a reasonable thing to doubt that, that a blessed life's even possible. Like, consider some of the things that have happened in 2022. It's like, as I know, as I know, it's like my own life, lives of people in this congregation, it's like, we've had family members who have died. We've had, we've had friends who have died and died young. Our bodies are breaking down. Some of us have been diagnosed with sicknesses, or we've had loved ones diagnosed with sicknesses that feel more like more than we can bear. We've had friends move away. We've had friendships change, or friendships have been broken. Uh, having deep friendships has never felt more difficult, I think, for some of us in this room. We discovered that parenting is far harder than we could have imagined. We've seen things happen on our block, on our city, in our country, in our world, that make us feel threatened, anxious, unwelcome, overlooked, held in contempt. We've had prayers that have gone unanswered or answered in the opposite way of what we were asking for. We've had loved ones who've gotten divorced or relapsed into addiction or we've relapsed into addiction. The list goes on and on. Looking at like looking back on a year like that, you could see how someone would be like, it's not possible for there to be such a thing as a blessed life. It's audacious for the Bible to say that a blessed life is possible in such a world, isn't it? And that's why this image of the tree being rooted by streams of water as a description of the blessed man, is, just, is such a profound image. This tree, this person living the blessed life, is subject to the seasons, right? Did you see that, Did you see that in the passage? Um, yield, the, verse 3, 
it's, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. That presumes that there are seasons that are more plentiful and seasons that are less plentiful. That this tree is subject to seasons of harsh, brutal, cold wind in winter and scorching, dead heat in summer. The tree is subject to the same driving wind that blows the chaff away. There are times where it bears fruit, times when it doesn't. It's an image that maintains two things at the same time. One, that a blessed, full, rich life in God is possible, though it's not natural. And that a blessed, full, rich life in God will face seasons of sorrow, devastation, and heartbreak, and yet still be a blessed life. The tree, where does this blessedness come from? It's in the image. It's that the, the, the roots that go deep down into streams of water. Um, this is like the, the blessedness is not controlled by the weather. It's not controlled by the circumstances of, of life. But it has these deep roots that go into true life. And, it, and that's where, where the blessedness is found. It's, it's a blessedness that is not controlled by circumstances. It's not controlled by how our income will, could go down in 2023. Economic forecasts seem to be indicating that, right? It's a blessedness that's not controlled by the ups and downs of our relationship with our boss at work. It's a blessedness that's not controlled by hardship in our relationship with our spouse. But it goes deep. The roots go deep under the ground to the living water. And uh, this blessed man, this tree, it's, it's striking that this passage begins by describing what the blessed man doesn't do. Look at it with me again in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It's all these spatial movement-like images of what the blessed man doesn't do. Um, and I don't know about you, but I see there, there seems to be a progression here in this description of how the blessed, what the blessed man doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, so he doesn't follow the advice of the wicked. It's like a, a thought or an or a or an idea, an ideology thing. It's like he's not moved by the ideas of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. That's a progressive, the next step of like seeking the approval, being or surrounded by sinners, the ways of sinners. And then the last one, sit in the seat of scoffers. In the Bible, a seating is usually being the person who's in a position of prominence sits. Sitting in the seat of scoffers is like occupying positions of power. Uh, it's, you see the progression there. It's the, the ideas walking away surrounded by the ways of sinners, and then eventually being seated in a position of prominence. With this, just this, this, this kind of like slow working image, it's, it's saying that like abandoning the blessed life, it's not about one giant decision, usually, but it's about a cascade of small decisions and non-decisions and what you think and what you do and whose approval you seek. It's just going with the flow, something I've said in, in sermons before. Or, to apply the metaphor from this psalm, it's just being driven by the wind. That's what abandoning the blessed life is. What does the, the, this passage say the blessed man does do? He delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What does that mean? So the law of the Lord, is it, that doesn't just mean, though it does at least mean, reading the rules in the Bible. 
it doesn't, it does at least include that. You know, there, there are other Psalms that describe the law of the Lord as being like honeycomb on, on, the, on, on our lips, like sweet. Um, here's how one preacher put it that I thought was helpful. Delighting in the law of the Lord means treating the whole scriptures as a rule of life and a good rule of life. It's, cher- it's cherishing the scriptures. It, expanding on that more, I think uh, delighting in the law of the Lord, it means treating the means of grace that God has given us the ways in which he communicates his, that he has chosen to communicate his, communicate his goodness, his life, his love to you. Things like his, like his word, uh, the sacraments which he's given us, prayer, fellowship with, with the church, with the, with, his, with the body of Christ. It's treating all these things like they're alive. Like they're alive. It's... It like, like, it's like they are this thing that's a stream of living water, water under our feet that we have to do everything to dig our roots and cling to. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, done landscaping before, maybe where you've dug a few feet deep underneath a tree, but sometimes like a, on a property where maybe there's like a, a kind of pipe that has water that runs through it underneath a tree. If you ever do that you, and you see like how the roots go down around a pipe like that, like it, the, it, the roots just like, they just wrap so as tightly as they can around that pipe just to catch any faint bit of moisture that could come out from that pipe. It's just like a, it's a clinging image. And we're called to, to, to treat those things that I just listed, words, sacraments, prayer, fellowship with one another, as, as things like that. Like, like, like we need to suck any possible drop out of thing, th- these things that we, that we can. That's a description of the blessed life. Thinking of that image. Is, it, is that your attitude towards these things? The things I just named? Thinking about this new year. Like, the things I just listed, frankly, like, none of them are, are very spectacular. None of them are very flashy. They're all pretty lackluster and plain, actually. On, at least at first glance, as I look at them, they're boring. Perhaps God meant it that way, Right? Perhaps God meant it that way, that, low, that he chose things that are low and the things that are poor to shame the things that are high and the things that are rich. And this psalm, it's an invitation to, re- to get those roots down again and wrap tightly around that, pi- that pipe of living water like it's alive. It's an invitation. If we root ourselves in God's law, there's, there's a bit of a promise in it. If we root ourselves in God's law, our lives will be more fruitful, resilient, and blessed. That's the tree, the image of the tree. The second image, and I'll spend less time on this, is the, the chaff. Uh, chaff, um, for most all of us being non-farmers, uh, chaff is like when uh, wheat is harvested, there are empty sh- like casings around the grain, uh, which in the process of get, drawing the, the heavier grain out to then be made into flour or whatever it may be, uh, the empty casings are kind of shaken off and they, they blow away, or they're taken away and they're, they're burned uh, in the farming process. It's those empty, the chaff are those empty casings, those empty shells. Um, chaff is dead, unfruitful, unserviceable, and light, like airy. There's not much weight to it. It's the complete opposite of the tree, which is alive, fruitful, rooted, and heavy. And the, the, this, this psalm ends with the, talking about the judgment day, right? The ways of the wicked cannot stand in the judgment because ultimately they're empty, they're meaningless, and they're perishable. That's what this psalm is saying. Uh, the, 
image that always comes to my mind with this, this idea of weightiness, uh, an author uh, named C.S. Lewis, he wrote a, a book called The Great Divorce, which was kind of like his, him uh, imagining what it would be like if a, a bus full of people in hell were taken up uh, to just have conversations with folks at the gates of heaven, right outside of heaven. And um, it's not, you know, the, the way that we usually imagine those things, you know, pearly white gates and clouds and stuff. Uh, but what, the way that he, he depicts it as he's, can, can, you know, can, considering the way that, like, weightiness and the ways of righteousness versus the ways of wickedness are described is the, the, the folks who come up on the bus from hell, they as they get closer to heaven, they realize just how they're, like, kind of, like, ghost-like and not substantial and airy and light-like, and they, they, they start to step out near where heaven is, and everything they discover is really heavy. Like the blades of grass hurt their feet to walk on because the blades of grass are so heavy and sharp. They can't, the, they can't like lift a pebble because it's just like everything is so, is so heavy. Uh, the biblical word for glory has the same root as heavy, a weightiness. And this psalm is saying that the ways of the world, the ways of the wicked, Though they may seem lofty and important, um, contrasting them with the way I described the means of grace that God's called us to, they may seem lofty and important, but ultimately they're light, they're airy, and they're meaningless, like chaff that's driven away by the wind. I don't know if uh, any of you grew up in churches where there are altar calls. Um, I did. I, well, there are different kinds of altar calls, right? Uh, the, uh, I grew up in churches where altar calls were a thing, or at least something that was similar to them. Where in the churches I was at growing up, you know, there was a time at the end of the service where the, the pastor would be like, you know, okay, everyone, and you'd close your eyes and pray, pray, uh, pray and then he would guide folks. He's like, does anyone here want to receive Christ for the first time? Here's the, the prayer that you pray. And, and then folks, like, while their eyes were down, the pastor would be like, if you just prayed to receive Christ, please uh, raise your hand. And, 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 uh, Spoiler to uh, any of you who may, maybe you go to those churches regularly, like kids open their eyes to see who's raising their hands. And I think, I think grown-ups do too. Um, it, if, if like anonymity is not going to work in a situation like that. But uh, there's, there, I don't know, there's, there, there are reasons why we, we don't do altar calls regularly in, in this church. Um, there's also something really powerful about, and other altar calls, by the way, it's, it's called an altar call because there was your traditions with like, you come to the front and you like, you are called, call, your, call the altar and we'll pray for you and you'll receive Christ right now. Um, there, there is something actually like really good in altar calls because there's something about it where it's like, it's like everyone in the room, it just like feels like this lurch forward, just like, am I supposed to be doing something right now? Is there's what's going on inside me? Like, what, like there's there's this, this sense of everyone having to lean forward and engage. And there's something biblical, I think, about them too. There's an I think there's an altar call element to this psalm. There's an invitation here. There's a warning. Are you going to be like the tree planted by streams of water, or are you going to be like the chaff that the wind drives away? Uh, many characters in the Bible, uh, Moses, Joshua, Jesus does this too. They give speeches where they lay out two choices to, to everyone who's, who's listening. Uh, they, they say, hey, you can choose life, you can choose good, you can choose to be in God, or you can choose the way of evil and death. So, in the spirit of this text, don't worry, I'm not going to do an altar call. Uh, 
in the, but in the spirit of this text, in the spirit of altar calls, and in the spirit of this being a new year, I want to slowly put some questions before you. Looking back, looking now, looking forward. And there's a few questions here. So maybe see if one of them really hits you and you should take home. Looking back at the turn of this year, remembering Southwest Airlines and the image, the storm revealing the problem. Where did the wind blow hardest on you last year? What did your response reveal about your roots? Digging into that question a bit more is, when last year did you feel the most lonely, angry, sad, afraid? Where did you turn? To whom did you turn? Why? question for this morning is, uh, do you feel close to God this morning? And if no, why not? What's stopping you from being like the root that's just twisting around the pipe, that image I gave earlier? What's stopping you? Take a minute to not blame other people, even though other people could be responsible for things. What is going on in you that's stopping you from being like that? Looking forward to this upcoming year. Again, the image of the, the roots wrapping around the pipe. Which of God's good gifts, which of his means of grace, do you need to bind yourself closer to this year? And how are you going to do it? How are you going to delight in his word, his sacraments, and prayer, and fellowship with, with, with other believers? And a classic question from a pulpit on the first Sunday of a year. Do you have a plan for regularly immersing yourself in scripture this year? If, if you don't have a plan, you probably won't do it. That's the case for, for me, certainly. And I know the case for many of us. If you don't have, have a plan, talk to me. I have one that I could send you right away. Um, that goes through the Old Testament in a year, the New Testament twice, the Psalms every month. There are plenty of good ways to do it. But no plan means, ha- means no practice, I think. Another question. What chaff-like things are you going to leave behind this year? That could be outright sins. But it also could just be things in your life that you know are ephemeral and meaningless. And the last question to kind of lay in the plane here is, who's someone in your life that you should share these things with, that you should talk to them about? Who's someone who is bold enough to pray for you and consistent enough to pray for you? Uh, Jesus really liked this psalm. Uh, he alludes to it a lot. Uh, his most fa- and really his most famous speech, the Sermon on the Mount, he, it's clear that he's really influenced by this, this psalm because he begins with this string of... Blessed is the blank. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We call it the Beatitudes. It's clearly drawing from the structure of this psalm. Um, this psalm is also about Jesus. 
Uh, Jesus is the tree planted by streams of water. Uh, we are singing songs that touched on this today about the, his line of abide in me. Je- Jesus knew this about himself. He, he told his disciples in John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me for apart from me you can do nothing. He likens himself to the vine that's the only source of life for us. Jesus has to be the ground for our, our New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, we, all of our striving to dig our roots deeper, ultimately these things are meaningless if we're just trying to muscle it out and be better people. The end goal has to be to worship him more, to be more like him, to know him more. The purpose, I think this psalm is saying this, uh, the purpose of your life, the purpose of our lives, is to prepare us to be face-to-face with Christ. We're singing about it's Christ's wonderful face. The purpose of your life is to become is to prepare yourself to be face to face with Christ. Uh, Are you going to live this year like that is what you are here for? This is more important than your family. It's more important than your career. It's more important uh, than your friendships. It's more important than your finances. Preparing to be face to face with Christ. Uh, to those of you here who are maybe walking in here for the first time or at a, or at a point of like leaning in because you want to re-engage with your faith, maybe that's one of your New Year's resolutions. Amen. Um, here's what I would say to you. If you want to live a blessed life, full, rich, resilient in the face of sorrow, rooted in what's meaningful, cling to Christ. Have faith in him. Pray to him. Adore him. Imitate him. Anchor yourself to his people in the church. Memorize his words. Cherish him. It will be worth it today. It will be worth it tomorrow. And it will be worth it on the day that you die. Different group who, who could be here today. To those of you who feel like you're barely here. And are considering leaving. Don't leave him. Don't leave him. The alternatives of the world, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. The alternatives, they may make your life easier. They may earn you the approval of your peers. They may even help you to secure secure positions of influence and power. But they are chaff, and they will not endure. What good will it be for you if you gain the whole world but forfeits your soul. Back to the group who's, who's leaning in and wants to, like, is seeking Christ anew, maybe for the first time. I want to, like, encourage you. I want to invite you. There's such a thing as salvation. It's real. From your sins, from evil spirits, and it can be found in the arms of Christ and nowhere else. There's such a thing as growth to those of you who are Christians and just want to lean in again. It's it's possible. There's hope. It's real. Don't despair. Come to Christ. He didn't come to save us from our suffering, but he does offer to nourish us and be with us in suffering. And back to the other group again. To one group I said there's such a thing as salvation. To the other group I have to say, There's such a thing as apostasy. Uh, You are free to walk out of here, ignore Christ, and reject his ways. 
You can do it with one big decision or with a million small ones. And you can cover that, that decision or those million decisions in whatever garb you want, whatever fashionable clothes you want to put on it. You can twist it around like an intellectual pretzel. Justify it however you like. Your motives in doing it could even feel like they're good, altruistic, compassionate. But at the end of the day, you will plainly be rejecting the source of life. Don't do it. Don't do it. I invite you to just consider the, the challenges you may face this year. I named some of the hardships that we experienced this past year. Consider the ones you, you could face this upcoming year. There will be more death. Friends could move. Economic hardship, I already named that. Sickness, so much sickness. <sighs> Joblessness, challenges in parenting or challenges with parents. One, we may even die this year. You may even die this year. Here's a, a quote from a, a guy named George MacDonald. He says, The Son of God suffered unto death, not that men might not suffer, but that their sufferings might be like his. Jesus is the tree that's planted by streams of water. The, the tree of life is the cross. The tree of life is the cross. The fruit of the, that tree, the fruit of, of, the tr of, of the cross, brings healing to us and one day will completely heal the whole world. So this year, may our pursuits, as we strive in the face of suffering, may our very lives be like Christ's. As we inevitably suffer, may it be to his glory and to the blessing of our neighbor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.